If you have this from last week, we're going to pick up here about the middle of our Elmira Baptist Church Covenant among the members. And um, if you don't have one, don't panic. I'll I'll lead you through it. We were talking uh, last week about that uh, sentence, we do therefore in his strength and by his grace promise the following. We will exercise Christian care and watchfulness over one another and faithfully warn, exhort, admonish, and encourage one another as occasion may afford. And we ended on a question. Uh, Guillermo had a question for us. Guillermo, do you remember what your question was? Good, because I didn't want to address it, so I just uh, act like that never happened. Right. 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 Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and so Guillermo's question went somewhere along these lines. You know, we're going to have people come to our services that, um, well, they're sinners. They say they're Christians, but they're sinners, especially those items that are listed in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. What do we do about them? Let me take you to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and let's look together at verse 23. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 23. Yeah, because the, the question was specifically about when we gather to worship and uh, who should be welcome into those gatherings for worship. So let me pull that off. Yep, okay. This off. Okay, good. 1 Corinthians 14.23. And uh, Guillermo, I'm going to ask you to pray for us, and then we'll look at this passage. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for this place where we can come and congregate as believers. Lord, understanding and knowing all that you are alive forevermore. The life is frail, Father, and that uh, we don't know what tomorrow might bring, and we depend on you every day. We're here because we love you, because we want to learn, Father, how you want us to live our lives. So I just pray that our hearts will be open, mm-hmm. and pastor um, wisdom from on high, Father, that he will be able to guide us through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So again, the question about gathering to worship, folks that are coming in, that not necessarily a part of our church, and maybe they, they have those specific sins that were listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. What should we do about those folks? Well, here in 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 23, and I know the topic is speaking in tongues. I know that. But just notice this verse. It says, If therefore the whole church be come together. And who, what is a church? It's people, right? It's not the building. Okay, The building doesn't come together. It's all of us coming together. If the church be come together, if therefore the whole church be come together with, in, into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Now, don't, don't worry about the speaking in tongues part. That's not the topic tonight. What do you notice? What kind of people can we expect to join us when the church comes together to worship? Unlearned and unbelievers. And, and Paul's assuming, he's saying, hey, that, that those, these people are going to show up. He doesn't say to them, just make sure those people don't come in the door, Right? He's assuming that they're going to come in and they're going to join us. By the way, that word unlearned simply means they're unskilled or inexperienced. They're not knowledgeable. So these, these could be Christians 
who are unlearned, and that would fit well with the second uh, category of people who are unbelievers. The unbelievers are not Christians. So on any given Sunday morning, we might be joined by unbelievers, people who are not even Christians, and, uh, and this is true every time we meet, but specifically here in American culture, if you're, if you're going to test a new church, if you're going to try going, going to church, you're going to show up on a Sunday morning, uh, and we may have unbelievers, we may have unlearned people. Does that answer your question, uh, Guillermo? Let me show you another one. Acts chapter 5. Sure. Loving wife. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I want to show you a different side though. Um, uh, here in Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 11, 12, and 13. Acts 5, 11, 12, and 13. What happens, just testing your knowledge, what happens at the beginning of Acts chapter 5? Ananias and Sapphira, and, and both of the, those two die, literally fall down in church, in the, shimmy, fall down in the building and die in front of Peter because they lie to God. Okay. Verse 11 picks it up. It says, great fear came upon all the church. I wonder why, right? And upon as many as heard these things. So there were church members, there were, the church heard these things. They were had great fear, but also there were people they told the story to, they heard this story, and they were, they were scared too. So verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with uh, one accord on Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them. In other words, if they were not Christians, they didn't pretend to be Christians and join the church. Why not? Because the church members are dropping like flies. I mean, I'm exaggerating for effect, but you understand there was, this, there was this great fear of God that came not just on the church, but on people who weren't associated with the church because of the Ananias and Sapphira um, um, dying. Uh, so yeah, we want to be a church where the power of God is evident so that yeah, some people may say, oh boy, I don't really want to attend Elmira Baptist Church. You know what's going on over there? But it's not because we're mean-spirited. It's not because we aren't welcoming. It's because the power of God is evident. And that's why a couple weeks ago I said this, and I, I thought about it in hindsight. I thought, some people are going to misunderstand. I said, this is not a safe church because we want the Holy Spirit to change people. We want God's grace to change people. If you're just coming to church so you feel good about yourself and, you know, check it off. I, I went to church this Sunday. This is not the church for you because I'm going to preach and we're going to pray so that people's lives are changed. And that's going to be uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. It's going to be uncomfortable for you sometimes. So that's what I meant. Uh, if someone says to you, well, you're, you're a dangerous church. Well, not, not dangerous. We're just not safe. There's a difference. Um, let's go back to the, the uh, covenant among the members here and uh, pick it up with, um, we will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Let me get my notes out here. We will not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Um, the verse we often uh, encourage each other with there is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, um, that tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I just wondered if you were aware, and if you're not, you will be now, if you're aware that as a member of Elmira Baptist Church, you are committed to joining us in worship as often as you can. Now, those of you, some of you are at home tonight, you're watching, and... Uh, 
Maybe you're ill or, and there are things that keep us from coming. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about folks that sometimes they're a member of a church and you never see them. I remember I was meeting someone, this is four years ago now, I hadn't been here very long, maybe a year, and I met someone for the first time and I was inviting him to Elmira Baptist Church. Oh yeah, I'm a member of your church. I said, well, I haven't even seen you. I've been here a year. <laughs> and since that time, he's never showed up either. I know who he is, but it's, it's hard for me to believe a person's a member of a church if they don't ever come. And he was an able-bodied person. I was meeting him at my house. He'd come to my house. So it wasn't like he was homebound or really ill. He was just a fellow. He just doesn't come ever. Um, he, by the way, he isn't on the rolls, if you're wondering. He's not actually a member, but he thinks he's a member. And what some people mean by membership is I have a lot of respect for your church or, you know, if I were to go to church, I'd come to your church. That's not membership. There needs to be a level of commitment where you get out of bed in the morning and you come or you stay up late. Well, we don't ever meet late at night, but, but here's my point. You need to be committed to joining us as often as we worship. My dad often said to me, we're going to go to church every time the doors are open. That's a good, that's sort of a good attitude to have. Just, hey, if we're meeting, you come on down. What could be more important than worshiping God? What could be more important than studying his word? What could be more important than prayer? It's just a matter of us making it a priority. So just wanted to say it's in there. You're, you're committing if you're a member here at Elmira Baptist Church. Here's the next sentence, and I'm going to just set this one aside and come back to it here. Uh, we will promote the church's prosperity and spirituality in order to sustain its worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. And we're going to look at that probably next week, those four words Worship, ordinances, discipline, and doctrines. Uh, well, actually, that's we, we started into that uh, last week. And then, next sentence, we will cheerfully and willingly contribute of our material means, according as God has prospered us, for the maintenance of a faithful and evangelical ministry to spread the gospel over the earth. What, what commitment are we making there as a church? Yeah, financial, to give to the church. Notice it does say, as God has prospered us. So I don't lay a tax on you. I don't say, okay, you owe the church a certain amount of money. I, I do pray, though, that God would lay on each one of us what he wants us to give and that we would be willing to give that amount. So giving to the church for the spread of the gospel. So the spread of the gospel here in our town, Elmira, Vacaville, but also the spread of the gospel in missions. I was talking to... Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention him again uh, when we get to prayer. But Dan Post, who is our missionary in uh, New Brunswick, they have a chance to purchase a building. You remember a couple months ago, six, eight months ago, we, um, as a church, we committed to give them $10,000 to purchase that building. And I was just following up to find out if they'd raised the other money. They're still short about $30,000. But boy, if they had that $30,000, they could purchase their own building. Now, they've raised more than that, obviously. But my, my point is, is, I've been burdened, and that's why I'm sharing it with you now. Maybe we should give them a little bit more. Maybe we should, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about that as we come up on our next um, church business meeting. But why? Because Jesse knows Dan Post. Knows him personally. Went to school with him, right? Is that fair to say? He's a good man. He was in Africa for a while and then forced out of Africa. But because he had learned French, he went to French-speaking uh, Canada. Here's a man who loves people trying to get the gospel out. What better person can we support? Um, so that's what we're doing. 
um, cheerfully, willingly. Okay, next uh, sentence. We will maintain family and private devotions. Have you ever noticed that? It's right in there in the covenant. We will maintain private family and private devotions. Well, what are we telling ourselves we're going to do? We're going to spend time in God's word and in prayer every day, individually, me and, me and the Lord, and then as a family. Now, um, my, I have adult children who live at my house, and they have their own schedules because they have jobs, and it seems like sometimes they have jobs so that I never see them. I get up in the morning and go, go to work. By the time I come home, they've left for work, and then they come home from work after I've gone to bed. So maybe they can't be a part of the family devotions, but whoever's in your house could be a part of those family devotions. So let me strongly encourage you to do two things. Number one, to have private devotions, your time with God, and then especially as fathers to lead our families in family devotions, have a time around God's word and a time in prayer. Now, that's one of the reasons, and here's where I was headed tonight, it's one of the reasons that we have this 31 Days of Proverbs project because I know most people will say to me, Pastor, I don't know what to read. I don't, where, where do I even begin? Well, hopefully you've been reading through uh, uh, the book of Proverbs and attempting to fill in the questions. I want to say this before I get much further into this. Um, don't let this frustrate you. I had one lady say to me, I can't find any of the answers. Okay, all right. If you can't find any of the answers, read the text, try to find the answers, and then after you've tried and it's just not coming to you, ask someone for help. But don't just give up and throw it away and say, I, I just don't understand it. Um, today's, it, it, you, you probably don't have yours with you. I, I grabbed one. Today's uh, chapter is chapter 10 because today is the 10th day of the month. And you've noticed, if you've been reading along with this, chapters 1 through 9, there's... Um, I called a narrative portion. But now we're to what we call the aphorisms. There are going to be one, maybe two verses about a topic. And then it's going to skip to another topic. And then maybe it'll come back to that topic. Or maybe it'll choose another topic. And it's, sometimes it's hard. Some people say, I can't make sense of Proverbs because it keeps changing the topic. So what I've asked you to do today, and what I've asked you to do all the way through, I think, chapter 29, you'll see that there's these big boxes and on this side, there's a list of topics. And what I, all I need you to do is look at this list of topics and see which verses in the chapter match up with these topics. Now, you can make up your own topics. This morning, as I was reading through uh, Proverbs, where did I put my list? There it is. I made up my own topics, and I listed the verses that fit my topics. There's nothing special about this document. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about what you are reading. Because it's very easy for me to read my Bible and then at the end of the chapter think, I have no idea what I just read. Because I was really thinking about the bills I needed to pay or the tasks that were coming up or how I'm going to help my son or daughter accomplish this. I mean, there's a lot of things that go through our minds. And if you don't focus, you won't get anything out of the Bible. You'll have read it, but not really read it, if, if that makes sense. It's more like um, when you read the Bible that way, it's more like chewing gum. You know, you've moved your jaws, but you haven't got any nourishment. And it's important that we get nourishment from God's word. So the, the, the purpose of this is not to frustrate you and to leave you going, oh, I just, I don't know, I'm just so confused. The purpose of this uh, document is just to make you think. And here in these next few chapters, 
you're going to have to look at each verse and take it verse by verse and, and, and sort of just sort of understand what each verse is talking about. So if you would, private devotions, we're talking about that. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 10. Let's just take the first couple of verses and um, we, can, we can talk about what that, that means. I'm just going to do the first four verses and then I'm going to jump around a little bit. And then again, if you have questions, please feel free to ask me or grab a, another a Christian and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this Proverbs project. But the key is to read for understanding. Not just read, but read to understand, read to profit from it. So look with me here at Proverbs chapter 10. Verse 1 says, the Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Um, because it talks about sons, you could say that this proverb is about homes and family. Yeah, that's true. Or because it talks about wisdom and foolishness, you could say this is a proverb about wisdom and instruction, knowledge, and understanding. There's, I, I don't want you to feel like there's a right answer and you got it wrong. What I want you to think about is what is that first statement? That a wise son makes a glad father, a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. How many of you have been close enough to, your fa to a family or maybe in your own family to have a wayward adult child that just brings a lot of heaviness to the parents? I mean, they're just, it's always on their heart. It's on their mind. What are they doing? Are they doing something stupid right now? And it, because they're adults, they're big enough to make life-changing mistakes. And so it's a heaviness, a foolish son, a foolish daughter. This says a foolish son. I know that, but I'm, I'm uh, extending it here. A foolish daughter is a heaviness to his uh, or her parents. Look at the next one. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from, from death. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing. Now, I've got a list of topics in front of me. I know you don't, but... Uh, so, so I'm not going to ask you what topic it could be about, but here's one of the topics that's listed on here is Proverbs about our material possessions, including instructions on wealth and poverty. Because the first line of, of the verse says, treasures of wickedness profit nothing. You can have a lot of money and it's no good to you without righteousness. If you especially, and other Proverbs talk about this, if you gain your wealth, through unjust, unfair, unrighteous means, you are not going to profit from that money. You're better off poor than stealing money from people. That's what it's saying. Um, let's talk about, uh, I, I'm going to give you a name. And if you don't know the name, I'll ask someone else to explain it. Bernie Madoff. Anyone remember him? Boy, I would not want to be in that guy's shoes when he stands before God on Judgment Day. Right? Now, yeah, he, he had a lot of money but he, he had a giant Ponzi scheme where he was taking money from new investors to pay off the old investors. And then the old investors, oh, look, we got our money back with, you know, tw we made 25%. And so people were coming to him and, you know, giving him money. And, and meanwhile, he's building this huge Ponzi scheme. And when it all collapsed, there were millions of dollars that people lost. So treasures of wickedness profit nothing. But righteousness delivereth from death. I, the death here, I, I don't understand this to be uh, the, the second death, the eternal death. Just the truth is, if you do what's righteous, 
you are less likely to die. I mean, just less likely to die. Look at verse 3 with me. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. To me, again, this is about wisdom and foolishness um, because it's talking about the person's soul, not necessarily their body. They may be hungry physically, but their soul is not going to be um, hungry because God will provide what their soul needs. Think of that, I think of that song, It Is Well With My Soul by Horatius uh, Spafford, who had just lost his children in a, in, a, in a boat that sunk. What sustains a person like that? The grace of God. And God's comfort. The Lord will not suffer the soul, will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. Verse 3. Um, I wanted to get to verse 4, and we're also going to skip over to verse 22. Verse 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Sometimes you're going to find verses in Proverbs that have some unusual uh, uh, words in them, like a slack hand. We don't use the word slack hand much anymore. In fact, I can't remember the last time somebody says, he has a slack hand. But contrast that with the second part of the verse that says, the hand of the diligent. So a slack hand is a person who's not diligent. Someone who's, what's, what's, what's the uh, 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 other side of diligence? Someone who's not diligent is lazy. The person who's lazy is going to become poor. But the person who's diligent is going to become rich. Now you say, well, that's obvious. Yes, many of the Proverbs are obvious. We talked about on that Sunday morning about the ringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. That's obvious. You know, you start grabbing somebody's nose and twisting it, it's going to start bleeding. I mean, that's, a lot of the Proverbs are that way. This is one of those Proverbs. And this proverb, I think, is definitely about material possessions including wealth and poverty. Um, look over at verse 22 with me, Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Now let's put those two verses together. The hand of the diligent, excuse me, yeah, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Here in verse 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Let's look at both of those aspects because we need to realize that while we are to work hard, and many of you do, it's the Lord who blesses with riches, isn't it? I mean, we could lose our health, lose our job because we can't work it anymore. We could work a job and, and invest a lot into a particular investment or into our house or into some other thing that we think is going to pay off and then lose it all because the economy changes. So just because you're rich, don't pat yourself in the back. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And whenever, um, we have so much. My son was reminding me the, yesterday, a couple days ago, earlier this year. Yeah, maybe last year, I don't know. Recently, in the last couple of weeks, my son said, we have so much, Dad. We have a house. We've got multiple cars. We have food. You say, well, yeah, does it everybody? Well, we were used to living in Mongolia. <laughs> There's some real poverty there. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And notice the second part of verse 22. And he adds no sorrow with it. So many times people who've gotten their wealth by ill-gotten means 
people who've gotten their wealth by oppressing the poor or by stealing from people, they have trouble sleeping at night, don't they? Because <clears throat> it's, it's almost as if things just, well, not as if, the things bother them. And when God makes us rich, then he adds no sorrow with it. So as you just go through here and you're looking at uh, these various verses, I've given you a list of topics here. Just so, to give you an idea, you can make up your own topics. As long as you're reading and trying to profit from your reading, that's what I want you to do. Because we have covenanted among ourselves in this covenant among the members to have private and to have family devotions. Any questions on that? Any questions on the Proverbs project that you think I can answer in two minutes? If you've got a real long question, I'd be glad to, to talk to you about it personally, but hope you, you're using this. There are a few more copies in the back if you didn't get a copy, copy already. And again, I mentioned this when we started. If you've missed a bunch of days, don't, don't be burdened to go back and do those days. Pick it up tonight with chapter 10. Go home, read chapter 10, work on it. Read chapter 11 tomorrow and just uh, keep moving forward on it. Um, we're going to come up on a, a, I think it's soon, I don't remember exactly which day, I'm going to ask you to share one of these Proverbs with someone. Could be a family member, your own children, could be a spouse, could be someone at work, could be a neighbor, um, could be a student for Daniel, he's a teacher, I, but, but start thinking along the lines of who could, be, who could benefit from these verses in chapter 10? Who do I know in, in, that could benefit from one of these um, uh, uh, proverbs in this chapter because you will benefit by sharing it with others. It will burn those truths into your mind. Number two, the other person who's hearing it is always going to benefit from hearing God's word. So keep that in mind. All right, let's move on here in this covenant among the members. Was that a hand? No? Okay. Um. We will maintain family and private devotions and train up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Anyone recall which verse instructs us to train up our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And in Ephesians 6, 4, which family member is specifically urged to train up the children in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Fathers. I'm just encouraging you fathers, don't just pass it off to your wife. Your, your wife is probably a great trainer of children, but your children need you to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't give that responsibility to Elmira Baptist Church. We certainly want to come alongside and we want to help you to train your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But I cannot do, we as a church cannot do for you what God's entrusted to you fathers. So I want to really encourage you fathers to ask God to give you wisdom. How do I train my children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord? Here's the next sentence. By the way, if you have a question or comment, you can raise your hand. We'll take a minute. Next sentence. We will faithfully witness for Christ in seeking the salvation of the lost. There's a lot of verses that come to mind. Let me start with Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We are committing to each other to be a faithful witness for Jesus Christ. Now we do, we meet on Saturday mornings. Uh, uh, Brother Nordstrom referenced that 
in his preaching on Sunday. We meet at 9 o'clock for a time of prayer, and then at 10 o'clock we go out. If you're not an early morning riser, you're welcome to join us at 10 o'clock, and we'll take you and we'll go out. But I don't think, let me start that sentence again. There's a better way to be a faithful witness than only to go out on Saturday. And that's to talk to people you know. Because frankly, when we go out on Saturday, often we're meeting brand new people. And I don't know about you, but I always am a little bit suspicious of people I've never met before. What's their real agenda? What are they really motivated by? But I trust the people I know. I mean, some of you. I mean, I trust, more likely to trust the people I know. And in the same way, the people you work with, if they've seen a Christian testimony at work, where you're honest and you're kind to people and you work hard, you're diligent, you're going to have a lot more credibility with those people than someone you've never met before. Your neighborhood, if you have a neighbor, you've been kind to your neighbor. You know, if you're having a dispute over the fence with your neighbor, probably not a good time to witness to him, okay? I go to Elmira Baptist Church and you're going to fix this fence or else. Don't, don't say that, okay? Because we want to have a good spirit towards our neighbor. But here's my point. When we say we're going to faithfully witness for Christ and seeking the salvation of the lost, we're not talking only about a set-aside time in the week where we go out and we knock doors. We're talking about day by day, faithfully witnessing for Jesus Christ to the people that we know and that we meet. If you need help with that, I do want to encourage you to come out on Saturdays. Um, We'd be glad. Uh, There's several folks that are really faithful to be here. Uh, Let me know you're coming ahead of time. One of you already did that, said you'll be out this Saturday. That's great. We'll we'll, uh, team you up with someone who knows what they're doing and knows what to say, and you listen. And you can learn a lot by just listening and going out with other people. But you definitely need to look for those opportunities Monday through Sunday when you're out and about at work, in the neighborhood, uh, at, at the store, to pass out tracts and be a witness for Jesus Christ. Next one, we will seek God's power to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust and to walk circumspectly in the world that we may be living testimonies to the praise of his glory. The first verse that I'll bring to your attention is we will seek God's power to deny ungodliness and every worldly lust. And that's from Titus chapter 2 and verse 12. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, verse 12, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That's Titus chapter 2 verses, uh, verses 11 and 12. So we've committed to each other to do that. To deny ungodliness and every worldly lust. To walk circumspectly. That's from Ephesians chapter 5. And uh, verse, let me make sure I get the right verse there. 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? Again, not a word we use a lot. It's a good word, just we don't use it a whole lot. Circumspectly. What? Carefully. Eyes up. Somebody illustrated it for me this way, and I've never forgotten it. When you're walking through a field where cows have been grazing, (laughs) you watch where you step. You pay attention. Uh, When we were living in Fairfield, there was a nice hill by by, not far from our house, and uh, sometimes we'd enjoy just walking up the hill to get a view. But they did. They let cows graze out there. 
And uh, you couldn't just walk without paying attention to what you were doing. And so when God says, walk circumspectly, walk carefully, pay attention. What are you doing? Don't be fools. Don't blindly rush into things without asking God for direction and guidance and wisdom. So walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as, um, but as wise. So we've committed to seek God's power, to deny ungodliness and everworldly lust, and to walk circumspectly, that we may be living testimonies to the praise of his glory. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at this passage quickly. 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses here, verses, verse 11, and we're going to look at verse 12, talking about living testimonies to the praise of his glory. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, this is 1 Peter 2.11, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. So that's the denying ungodliness and worldly lust part. Having your conversation honest, that word conversation, your your, the way you live, your manner of living, how you, how you do things, have your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, and we're seeing that more and more, where people who do what, are, what is right are condemned as evildoers. And people who do what's wrong are praised as good people. But we, we can't let that bother us. Whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So we want to live in such a way that they glorify God. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. So let your light shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That's Matthew 5, verse 16. We want to live in such a way that people, that God gets the glory. Okay, next one. We want to be just. We will be just and honest in all our dealings and live to the glory of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Go back. You're still in, in 1 Peter chapter 2 there. Look at verse 9 with me. 1 Peter 2, 9. But ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So that's where this phrase comes from. Um, to live to the glory of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And then it quotes Hebrews chapter 13 verses 20 through 21. Now the God of peace that brought again the dead, brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So this is the covenant when you join Elmira Baptist Church. This is in our church constitution. This is the covenant that you're agreeing to as a, a member here at Elmira Baptist Church. And uh, those of you that have been uh, following along know that our current series is on new members. What should new members expect? Well, this is what we expect, Elmira Baptist Church expects of new members. Next week, we're going to cover that section in the middle, worship, ordinances, discipline, and, um, and doctrines. 
I, I do want to cover that, but I want to do so in more depth. Any questions before we take a look at our prayer bulletin? Good. Either I'm doing really well or I'm doing so poorly that nobody knows what I'm talking about. There's no questions because what is he talking about? Grab your uh, prayer bulletin.